0: Good morning. My name is Arby the Master and our gathering scripture today comes from Luke chapter 19 verses 36 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers." This is the word of the Lord. Hey Grace242, welcome to Lent. And coinciding with the start of Lent, we are beginning a new series called Holy Week Timeline. There are seven Sundays in Lent, and there's seven Sundays in a week, so we are preaching this Lent through Holy Week, and today we begin with the Sunday where Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem, often called Palm Sunday. As a kid, man, I always looked forward to getting that palm branch on Palm Sunday, waving it around in church, and then bringing it home. And as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, the Gospel writer Luke has already established the initiating event that leads up to this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Look at what the Gospel writer says in Luke 9 verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. From this event, Luke is building up to the climax of Jesus in Jerusalem. And Palm Sunday is the day where we begin that climax. Jesus is riding into the city. Now, we call Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, because people waved palm branches to celebrate Jesus triumphantly riding into the city. That's why we call this Jesus' triumphal entry. Now, two weeks ago, the Kansas City Chiefs celebrated their Super Bowl win. Kansas City held a parade in their honor and the team was paraded through the city with onlookers and fans lining the parade route. In Jesus' day, they also had victory parades. If a king had won some significant battle or maybe conquered another nation, when the king returned to the city, people would line the streets, the king and the army would parade through the city, and everyone would celebrate all of the king's magnificent accomplishments. Jesus' triumphal entry was a king's victory parade. Only this is a different type of king. And the battles that are fought are fought in different kind of ways. And the enemy is a different kind of enemy. And the victory is a different kind of victory. Come with me onto Google Earth and let's look at Jesus' victory parade route. Let's look at the route that Jesus would have taken for his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. We're zooming in on the town of Bethphage, which is where his disciples got the cult for him that we'll talk about more later in this message. But Jesus began his triumphal entry in the town of Bethphage, and he's going to take a parade route to the temple. And today we see the Temple Mount in the city of Jerusalem right here. Now, if we rotate around so that we look west... I'm going to zoom in here, and you're going to begin to see the, the topography of the land. And you can see right here that the Mount of Olives kind of comes to this peak right here. And you've got the town of Bethphage right here, Mount of Olives right here, and then the temple right here. So Jesus is beginning his parade, his victory parade. At the top of this mountain, he's going to ride down the west side of the Mount of Olives right here. He's going to proceed through the Kidron Valley. You can kind of see how it's a lower point right here. He's going to go through the Kidron Valley. Then he's going to ascend again up this side of the temple. And then he's going to enter the temple through the gate. And that's the route that Jesus would have taken for his triumphal entry. Talking about Palm Sunday reminds me of this burning question that I always had as a kid. We'd get to Palm Sunday and everyone's yelling, Hosanna, praise to the Lord, and waving their palm branches and celebrating Jesus. But then even as a kid, you know that already on Friday, Jesus is getting nailed to a cross. And so the question I always had as a kid was, how do we go from Hosanna on Sunday, everybody loves Jesus, to Jesus being nailed to a cross and the crowd shouting, crucify him on Friday? I mean, that's only six days. There's this meme of Will Ferrell playing his character of Ron Burgundy that says, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) And I think about that meme when I think about Sunday to Friday, that escalated quickly. We go from Hosanna, praise Jesus, to crucify him on Friday in a mere six days. Why? I think one of the biggest reasons why things escalate so quickly is when the people line the parade route, And celebrate Jesus and his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. I think many of them are celebrating Jesus for who they think Jesus is and not who Jesus truly is. They are celebrating Jesus for the type of king they want him to be, but he is not that type of king. Jesus will prove later in the week that he is a completely different type of king. I think we go from Hosanna on Sunday to crucifixion on Friday because the type of king that the people are praising on Sunday is not the type of king that Jesus truly is. As we'll see, Jesus is a different type of king and he wages different types of battles, and he fights over different types of enemies, and the victory comes in different types of ways. I think we go from Hosanna on Sunday to crucify him on Friday because the people are praising the type of king that Jesus is not. He is a different type of king. We're clued into the fact that Jesus is a different type of king right before our scripture reading today. Turn in your Bible to Luke 19 and look at verse 35 and let me set this up. Jesus and his disciples are in the town called Bethphage and Jesus sends his disciples to find this colt. He says, you're gonna find a colt, untie it and if anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs this. So the disciples set out, they find the colt exactly where Jesus tells them the colt will be They untie the colt and someone says, hey, what are you doing? And the disciples say what Jesus told them to say, which is the Lord needs these. Now, when I was a youth pastor, I had a lot of fun with this passage because it's kind of funny, right? You just untie this colt, people are like, hey, what are you doing? And they just say, oh, the Lord needs this. And then, oh, no argument here. You know, I always imagine what would you do if you take a TV out of Costco and you're just walking out with this gigantic TV and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, the Lord needs this. (laughs) You know, would that pass? So the disciples get the colt and they say, the Lord needs this. No argument here. Okay. And now let's pick it up in Luke 19, verse 35. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. We are clued into the fact that Jesus is a different type of king because of the vehicle he chooses to ride in his victory parade. Normally, a king in a victory parade would ride his mighty horse, the faithful animal that carried him to victory. But Jesus chooses to ride a colt, an inexpensive animal for the common person to travel on. To put this in modern terms, most kings would choose to ride a Ferrari in their victory parades. And Jesus is choosing to ride a Chevy Malibu in his victory parade. A horse says, this king is mighty in battle. This king has conquered nations with his might. This king has slain many. A cult signals that Jesus is humble. A cult signals that Jesus doesn't slay enemies. Rather, he allows himself to be slain by them. A cult signals that Jesus isn't here to triumph over the nations of this world. Jesus is here to triumph over principalities, powers, and the ruler of the air. A cult signals that Jesus isn't here to conquer Rome. Jesus is here to conquer sin and death. Jesus is a different type of king. He is not the king the people expected. Now let's get into our scripture reading today and there's a little part that you may have missed that I want to zoom in on. Let's look at Luke chapter 19 and we'll read verses 36 and 37. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Jesus is riding along. People along the parade route are spreading out their cloaks for him. And, and for some reason, Luke, despite being so detailed in his gospel, he does not talk about the palm branches. It's the other gospel writers that talk about people waving the palm branches. But look at what Luke says the people are praising Jesus for. The people say, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Now, I think there's a good side and a bad side to this statement of praise. And the question that splits the sides of the coin is this. Are people praising Jesus because he is the Messiah who can do miracles? Or are they merely praising Jesus just because he does miracles? The good side of the coin is that Jesus has done all these incredible works, all these incredible miracles that have authenticated him as the Messiah. And so many people are praising him because they've heard or seen the wonderful deeds he's done, and they see that as evidence and authentication that, yes, this truly is the Messiah. This man does things nobody else has done. I believe that he indeed is the one we've waited for. This is the anointed one. He is the guy who we've longed for. He is the Messiah. But there's also a bad side to this. Are they praising Jesus as the Messiah and the miracles have authenticated him as the Messiah? Or are they just merely praising him because of the miracles? Are they merely just hyping him because he put on a good show or dispensed some cool tricks that were benevolent and helped people? Are they only praising him because of the miracles? That's the bad side. Turn back two chapters and look with me at Luke 17, where Jesus heals 10 men who had leprosy. Look at Luke 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, so there's Luke picking up his theme and his crescendo to Jesus' riding into Jerusalem. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of the lepers goes back to Jesus. And thanks, Jesus, for performing the miracle. And now we're picking it up in verse 17. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Only one came back. And all nine were satisfied with the miracle. That's good. It's enough for me. I got my miracle. I'm good to go. Now only God knows the hearts of the people who lined the parade route that day. But what I want you to do today, is I want you to put yourself along that parade route. And as you do so, I want you to ask yourself, am I praising Jesus for the king that he truly is, or am I praising Jesus for the king that I want him to be? Am I praising Jesus on his own terms, or am I praising Jesus on the terms I've given him? Am I praising the king he is, Or am I praising my own construction of the king I think he ought to be? Let's go back to the miracles for a second. I might be praying for a miracle. I might be praying for healing. I might be praying for healing so that I can avoid a medical treatment. Or I might be praying for the alleviation of pain. Let's say I'm praying for a miracle. And we know, we know that Jesus is sovereign enough to do that miracle he is all-powerful and he could perform that miracle in a heartbeat if he wanted to but what if he doesn't what if in his sovereign will he has chosen not to do the miracle you're asking for are you willing to praise him even then are you willing to praise Him even if He doesn't do what you've been asking Him to do? Are you still willing to praise Him as the sovereign one, as The One who is good and has your good in mind and still has you in His hands even if He doesn't do what you've been asking Him to do? Are you still willing to praise Him even if He doesn't perform the miracle you've been asking for? Am I willing to praise Him for the King He is and not the King I want Him to be? Am I willing to praise him on his terms and not on the terms that I dictate to him? Later in the week, Jesus would plead with his father not to go to the cross in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he was nailed to the cross. Look at Luke chapter 22 and look at verse 42 and look at Jesus pleading with his dad. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine, not my will, but your will be done, Father. Are you willing to say those same words? Jesus, I'm asking for your healing. I'm asking for this miracle. But at the end of the day, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Are you willing to say those words? It only takes a little faith to ask God for something and to receive from him what you asked for. That takes some faith, but it takes a long-suffering, abiding, maturing, trusting faith. It takes a lot of faith to ask God for something and to not receive what you asked of him. And so back to this miracle that you've been asking for. Are you willing to praise him even when he doesn't answer the prayer you would like him to answer? Are you willing to praise him for the king we have on his own terms and not on the terms we dictate to him? Are you willing to say, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done, Lord? Are you willing to praise him even when his answer to what you've been praying for is no? Do we praise Jesus for the type of king that he is? Or do we praise our vision of the type of king we think he ought to be? Only God knows the hearts of the people who lined the parade route that day. But we know that many of the people that lined that parade route were thinking, we finally got the guy. We finally got the leader we need who's going to raise up an army, who's gonna overthrow Rome, and who's going to re-establish the Jewish people in their homeland and then we're gonna have a Jewish king and it's gonna be the good years of David and Solomon all over again. We finally got the guy. But like the cult symbolized, Jesus was not going to conquer by slaying Romans. He was going to conquer by giving himself over to be slain. He didn't come to kill the enemy, he came to be killed by the enemy. Do we praise Jesus as the king who dies? Do we praise Jesus as the victor who gains his victory through death? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, "'Not my will be done, but your will be done, Dad.'" And look at what he says to us in Luke 17, verse 33. "'If you cling to your life, you will lose it, "'and if you let your life go, you will save it.'" Jesus is the king who dies and he calls those who follow him to do the same. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. In the same way that Jesus picks up his cross to die. Are we willing to pick up our cross and die to ourselves? To die to our will, to die to our wants, to die to our desires, to die to the way we would do things, to die to our purposes in life? Are we willing to lose our life in order to find it in Jesus? Put yourself along that parade route today. Are you praising Jesus for the king that he is? Or are you praising some sort of construction of what a king ought to be? Because if you praise Jesus for the king that he is, he is the king that says, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And we need to do the same, not our will, but your will be done, Father. I will praise you regardless of what your answer is. And he is the king who marches into death and says, anyone who wants to come after me, pick up your cross and follow me. Lose your life and then find it in me. So are we willing to follow him and be the type of people who die to ourselves so that we can find our life in Jesus? Are you praising Jesus on Jesus' terms? Or are you praising Jesus on the terms you're dictating to him? Are you praising the king for who he is? Or are you praising a king that you've made up in your mind? I'll see you next time, Grace 242.